Blog Talk Radio. everybody for tuning in tonight. For those of you not familiar with the uh, the Appleseed Project, the Appleseed Project is the sole project of the Revolutionary War Veterans Association. And if you haven't heard of the Revolutionary War Veterans Association before, then let me bring you up to speed on it. <clears throat> uh, at first listen, a lot of times uh, people get a little bit confused about it and they may Mistake it for a uh, uh, for a reenactment group, uh, and obviously, after 234 years, there uh, there's a good chance that there are no remaining Revolutionary War veterans. So, what is it? What is it for? What is it about? Well, the Revolutionary War Veterans Association is the sponsoring organization for the Appleseed Project, and the Appleseed Project is dedicated to teaching the absolute best fundamentals of rifle marksmanship program in the United States today. I mean, we do an absolute fantastic job at it every weekend of the year uh, from coast to coast and border to border. We We are somewhere within a reasonable driving distance of you every weekend of the year. And, uh, this is no small feat. We're the fastest growing organization in, in the, uh, in the United States today uh, that uh, involved with rifle marksmanship. Now, at the same time that we're teaching rifle marksmanship, 
We're also talking to you about your heritage. We're talking to you about, uh, well, the whole purpose of the Revolutionary War Veterans Association is to make sure folks understand that they have a debt that they owe to those who have come before. Uh, Many of the, uh, well, there are a great deal of folks in 1775 and for eight long bloody years afterwards who made great sacrifices of their their time, their fortunes, their their families, and in many cases even their lives. We have what we have today because of them, and we owe them a huge debt. So how can we repay this debt? And let me tell you, it's not going to be very easy because there are no there are no Revolutionary War veterans alive. So how are we going to how are we going to pay that debt? How are we going to make uh, make it even? And the answer is that we're going to honor them. And how do you honor somebody? You remember them. You remember them. Whenever you have a a loved one who has passed, uh, the way that you keep their their memory alive, and and by keeping their memory alive, you're keeping, in essence, you're keeping them alive in your own mind and in the hearts and minds of of those that you speak uh, of them to, is you tell stories about them. You tell what they did. You uh, you relate uh, the what they did in their life. You, you tell the the things that they did that meant something to you. And that's what we do. That's what we do. We tell about the events of April 19, 1775, and and try and get folks to understand that they have a an obligation to honor these folks, these who have come before. And uh, and you certainly war veterans, but uh, you sure need to start there. And that's what we're doing weekend of the year uh, somewhere across the United States. Uh, within a reasonable driving distance of you, we're having a two-day rifle marksmanship clinic Somewhere within a reasonable driving distance of you where we can teach you the uh, fundamentals of rifle marksmanship and get you started on uh, honoring those who have come before you. Understanding your history, knowing your history, is a very important thing. And I tell folks about this at the Appleseed events uh, where I instruct History is very, very important. Uh, without history, uh, what are you? Who are you? If you uh, if you woke up out of a coma and you walked up to a group of people and they said, uh, well, hey, how's it going? Uh, who are you? And you said, you know, uh, I don't really know. And they said, well, okay, well, well who are your parents? Well, I- I'm not sure. Okay, well, uh, well, what have you done in your life? Well, once again, I, I really don't know. All right, and now here comes the most important question. Okay, then what do you plan on doing now? 
And you're certainly not going to know the answer to that question if you don't have anything that has come before you. You'll hear folks say that those who do not know their history are doomed to repeat it. And uh, that's certainly true. You can add to that the definition of insanity, which is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. So history is a very important thing. Without knowing your history, it's hard to know who you are. Without knowing your history, it's certainly hard to know what you're going to do because how are you going to know what you're going to do if you don't know what you've already done, if you don't know what's already been tried and failed and tried and worked? How are you going to know? What are you going to do? Well, we'll help you out with the with beginning to repay the debt that we all owe to the founders and to the uh, American Revolutionary War veterans by helping you get a chance to honor them by remembering them at an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event. So if you're ready to go to one, how would you get there? How would you even find one? Well, I'll help you get to uh I'll help you get that information too. Here's what you do. You go to rwva.org, all right? That's the uh, letters for Revolutionary War Veterans Association. rwva.org, that's our homepage. On the homepage, there'll be a list of tabs across the top. Take the one that says Appleseed, put your cursor on that, and you'll get a drop-down schedule. From that drop-down schedule, select, uh, I mean, drop-down uh, menu. From the drop-down menu, select Schedule. And that will take you to the page which lists the events uh, and locations. Now, let me tell you a few more things about this. Now, when you, you get to that page, you're going to see the events listed by date. You'll have the city the state, and then the date. So you quickly look at the uh, at the dates and then look for the city that you would like to attend. Now, once you've selected one, there are two more hot links on that same line that you need to think about. And listen, when you decide to come to an Appleseed event, don't just, uh, don't just think about going to one. Make a decision. Make a decision and then follow through on it. Make a decision to attend an event Hack out a weekend. You've got uh, 50 weekends uh, a year that you can probably uh, scrape by on. I say 50 because there's probably uh, you probably have at least uh, two that are dedicated to something. But you've got 50 that you can uh, switch things around. That's a pretty good amount. Find one that's open. Find a city that you wish to attend on a date you wish to attend. And let's get the ball rolling. Right next to the uh, the city and date that you've selected are two more hotlinks. One says information. Now that one will tell you the specifics, <clears throat> uh, the information for that specific location at that specific date. It'll give you the contact information, uh, driving directions, any special rules, regulations, etc., for that uh, event at that date. Right next to that is the uh, hot link that says register. Once again, if you're going to make the decision to go to an Appleseed, let's go. Let's make the decision. Let's uh, let's pour it in concrete. And then pre-register for the event. Even if the event is uh, nine months away, a year away, whatever it is, 
You're going to go. Let's go. Let's get it locked in uh, locked in stone. You'll click on register. That'll take you to the uh, the registration software that we use, a third-party software. It's uh, Eventbrite. <clears throat> they do a good job of of handling our registrations. Let me go ahead and get pre-registered. Even if you, uh, and I'll tell you in a minute about the free categories, but even if you're a, a person who's attending the event for free, we still need you to register for And here's why. <clears throat> uh, the days of, uh, of knowing that you could just uh, walk up to an Appleseed event and get on the line with your rifle are uh, are pretty much getting close to being over. That means if you want to make sure that you've got a place on the line, you're going to need to pre-register. The other thing is, is that it it's very helpful to us. As I said, we've got these going on uh, all across the nation every weekend. That's a lot of people that we have to get to places, uh, airline tickets, hotel reservations, uh, supplies that we have to ship there. And we need to know how many people are coming so that uh, we can send the right amount of instructors, the right amount of equipment uh, for that specific event. And the only way we're going to know for sure how many people to send is if we know how many people are coming. And the only way we're going to know how many people are coming is if you guys pre-register. So please... Once you've uh, decided to attend an event, uh, don't just think about it. Go ahead and uh, flip the switch, make the decision, carve out that uh, weekend, set it in stone, pre-register, and go. And listen, you're going to feel uh, you're going to feel a sense of relief when you hit that uh, registration button. You get your registration done. You get a confirmation email. You're going to say, "That was quick. That was easy." And, man, do I feel good about that. I feel good about that because, you know what, I didn't just sit on the couch talking about doing something. I didn't just yell at the TV. I didn't go over there and bang on it. I didn't get so uh, angry at stuff that I stormed out of the house and, uh, I don't know what, uh, threw rocks at the bushes. Uh, I did something. I did something concrete. Uh, I signed up for an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event. I'm going to go for that weekend. Uh, I'm going to find out uh, all the things that I've been wanting to find out about rifle marksmanship. Because, listen, it's a very common thing for folks to say, look, I I know how to shoot, okay? Uh, Every year I hit a deer. Every year I hit that deer. And, uh, you know, so I know how to shoot. I don't need any uh, any extra info or anything about it, okay? You've got to put the bullets in. Uh, I cock it, I take the safety off, get the deer in my sights, I squeeze the trigger, bingo, done. Well, that's good. That's good. But I'll tell you, uh, I've been through thousands of these guys now, and and ladies, but uh, mainly guys, and uh, every single one of them had said the exact same thing, which was, uh, wow, I didn't know how much I didn't know. Uh, I thought this was going to be easy. I thought because I hit my deer every year uh, that uh, I didn't need any lessons. I was in the army. Remember, I I was in the army. I, you know, I somebody taught me how to shoot a rifle. I was in the army. And listen, I, I was in the army too. So the the 
the least effective way to convince me that uh, that you're proficient in rifle marksmanship is to tell me that you were in the Army. Uh, now, the Marines usually do a better job, but if you're just telling me that you're in the Army, then uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't hold a lot of weight with me because I was in the Army and I went through their marksmanship program, and uh, I'm not that impressed with it. <clears throat> All right. So... It doesn't matter at what level that you're coming from, you're going to learn something at an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event. Okay, so there's your very your primary goal is I'm going to improve my rifle marksmanship. Now you set yourself a goal. This one is I'm telling you right now, this is going to be the easiest goal that you're setting for yourself because you're going to attain that goal in in a uh, in an Appleseed weekend. You are going to improve your rifle marksmanship, guaranteed. <clears throat> and then you're going to do a lot more. Now, how much more is going to be up to you. How much more a person leaves an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event with is up to that specific individual. Because here's, what's ha- here's what happens. You go to an event, and you set yourself a goal of uh, improving your rifle marksmanship, and you achieve that goal. And for almost all of the people, uh, well, I say almost all of them, let's say 70%, the follow-up question is always, what next? All right? What next? And that's a logical thing, because somebody sets a goal for themselves and they achieve it, then, you know, they're on a roll. Uh, you go to Las Vegas and you uh, you make a bet and you win hundred bucks. You won hundred bucks and you go, okay, all right. Uh, what next? Let me find a, let me see what else I can do. And that's what happens at the, an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event. You set a goal for yourself, you achieve it. Now, we're also going to talk to you about other things about your responsibilities as an American. Uh, we're going to talk to you about the. The fact that being an American isn't given to you solely on the basis of a uh, slot filled out on a piece of paper, all right? Just because you were born in the United States doesn't make you an American. It makes you a legal United States citizen. It doesn't make you an American. An American, uh, being an American is granted to you. When you understand and you accept the responsibility for understanding that it is your responsibility to ensure that the freedoms, the liberties that are afforded to you by this nation are safeguarded by you. That those freedoms and liberties that you went to bed with are going to be there when you wake up in the morning. And these are responsibilities that cannot be delegated. These are responsibilities that you have to ensure uh, that you are personally taken care of. And there's a lot of, uh, well, I don't have to tell you this. There's a lot of problems in our nation today. There's a lot of problems in the nation. And normally they're not going to fix themselves. And we're gonna, we will talk to you about your responsibility to uh, your responsibility to become involved in this. Now, we're not going to tell you what you should do because at Appleseed we don't talk about politics. Uh, we don't have any politics. We don't have any ideology. 
We don't do any training. Uh, as far as training, implying that we are uh, giving you skills that you're going to use at a later date, we don't do any of that. But what we do tell you is that you have a responsibility uh, to be a functioning, working part uh, of our nation, of the government. Now, once we've told you that, you can do two things. The first thing, and this happens, uh, this happens with some people, is that when you tell them that there's a problem, The problem uh, requires a solution. A solution usually requires action. Action uh, requires you to do something. And it may require you to do something until that something gets done. That's a pretty big uh, and sometimes messy solution. A lot of people decide that it's, it's much easier for them to go back home, to get back on the couch, to get the remote, to click onto that 30-minute sitcom and uh, and just uh, sink mindlessly into that because you have this 30-minute situation where uh, where things start out happy and then there's usually some type of a uh, a crisis or a problem that's inserted into the formula and then in that short 30 minutes it's very quickly worked out and then it again ends on a happy note and life is good. And then what you can do is sitting there on the couch with the remote is you can string those together. You can string those together so that you can walk on them like uh, like walking on the stepping stones in a garden. You can step from one to the next without ever stepping into the dirt and getting your feet dirty or muddy. And that's how you can do your life. You can uh, you can refuse. You can deny that there's a problem. And uh, and just go back to the couch and live in the the sitcom lifestyle because that's a lot safer and easier for a lot of folks because as i said if you're in the second group then you're going to have to acknowledge that there are some problems and once you acknowledge that there are some problems then you're going to have to do something about them then you're going to have to do something about them. And there is very seldom ever any easy way to fix a problem. And uh, I was just talking to a couple of the guys, a couple of the young men, very good young men from the boot camp uh, this last week. And uh, as they were getting ready to head out uh, back south, back uh, to their homes, uh, I gave them uh, just a bit of advice uh, of what I've learned in life, and that is no matter how hard you look, there are never any real shortcuts. There are no real shortcuts. There are no, uh, there's usually no easy way of fixing things. It's usually uh, semi-difficult. But you'll have to just make the decision uh, to accept that obligation and to take the difficult path and to do the difficult things uh, to take that. And, and when I say difficult, it's a relatively, uh, uh, it's a very relative difficult. 
because we'll tell you in the program. We're not asking you, uh, we will never ask you to stand in ranks uh, with your rifles and defend your hometown from the uh, British regulars. We'll never ask you to do that. It's already been done. So if all we're asking you is to uh, simply take your responsibility of being involved in making sure that your rights and your freedoms, your liberties are safeguarded, it sure seems like everything else that is not at that level, that's not at the level of uh, of standing in ranks and fighting the uh, the British regulars, everything else should be pretty much of an easy ticket past that. And yet, some people find it hard. <clears throat> so I, that's where, part of what I told him. I told him that uh, there are no shortcuts. Don't look for the shortcuts. Look for the right thing to do. And uh, that also reminds me that uh, J.B., Junior Birdman, was at the RBC this last week. And uh, he repeated... Uh, a saying, and I, and I feel bad now because he told me who said it, and I can't remember right at this moment. I can remember what he said. He said that all a rifleman has to do is the next right thing. That's all. Being a rifleman is can really be boiled down to a very simplistic uh, form. That's what you know. That's what we're all about in the Appleseed Project: simplicity and precision. Those are our keywords: simplicity and precision. You know, we've taken uh, uh, 5,000 pages of rifle marksmanship uh, instruction, and we've boiled it down into uh, a relatively few paragraphs. And that's what we do on the Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship Weekends. Now, you can boil down. Being a rifleman, what a rifleman has to do into that one sentence. All that to, all that you have to do, that all that you have to do being a rifleman, is the next right thing. That's a very, uh, uh, a very poignant, a very uh, important bit of information. All right, I've strayed a little bit off the the track here. Let me get back to uh, to starting out with uh, with the events coming up. First, I'm going to give you the uh, the sold out events, and then I'm going to give you the uh, the upcoming events. <clears throat> Hawkhaven does a great job of uh, of keeping tallies on the shoots. Uh, and riding herd on those, and then he sends me uh, the list of sold-out shoots every uh, every Tuesday, and I certainly appreciate that, uh, Hawkhaven. So starting out with this coming weekend, uh, November 27th and 28th, Audubon, Pennsylvania, and Terrell, Texas are sold out. Mechanicsville, Virginia, Biloxi, Mississippi, and Fredericksburg, Texas, each have only one spot left, all right? Now, that should be gone by the end of this radio show. 
They should both be sold out. That's for December 4th and 5th. December 11th and 12th, Annapolis, Maryland, still sold out. So what I was telling you earlier, that uh, if you think you're going to be able to walk onto an apple seed line and uh, get down on the mat with your rifle and shoot, if you want to make sure you're going to do that, you better go to rwva.org. Go to the uh, the tabs across the top. Put your cursor on Appleseed. Click on Schedule. Get to the and then pre-register for it. Otherwise, you might end up uh, instead of getting a uh, a rifle and a mat, you might get a bucket and some potatoes. You may be cooking for the rifleman that day. <clears throat> All right, the upcoming weekends, <clears throat> the upcoming shoots we have for. Uh, the weekend of November 27th and 28th begins in Kingman, Arizona, followed by Glen Helen, California. Now, the Glen Helen, California weekend on November 27th and 28th is a ladies-only event. We've spoken to you guys about this before. The, uh, the ladies-only events seem to be doing uh, pretty well. If you're a lady near Glen Helen, California, or anywhere in California. And you'd like to go to an Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship uh, weekend and learn how to shoot uh, uh, without the uh, without being bothered by men, then uh, this is your weekend. That same weekend, we have an event in Sunland, California, Riley, Indiana, Hinkley, Minnesota, Terrell, Texas, that's the sold-out event I told you about, and Harvard, Massachusetts on Saturday, November 28th. That's a one-day event. Uh, We've opened up uh, one-day events in the program, and I'll remind you guys that if you're having trouble selling a two-day event uh, to a range and getting them to give you both days, because normally we'll have to close down the whole range, for the both days, see if you can uh, get them to agree to a Saturday event, to the one-day event on Saturday. They may go for that. And then once you've got your foot in the door and they see how well it does, then <clears throat> they may be willing to go ahead and give you the whole weekend. <clears throat> but uh, uh, at least ask them about it. All right, the first weekend in December is December 4th and 5th. That's going to begin in Corscold, California, followed by Lemoore, California, Saugus, California, Colebrook, Connecticut, Pensacola, Florida, Eureka, Kansas, Saturday, December 4th is another one-day event, Cynthiana, Kentucky, December 4th and 5th, Columbia, Maine, Humansville, Missouri, Biloxi, Mississippi, Roswell, New Mexico, Miamisburg, Ohio, Athens, Texas, Smithville, Texas, Fredericksburg, Texas, Mechanicsville, Virginia, La Crosse, Wisconsin, New Martinsville, West Virginia. That takes us to the December 11th and 12th weekend, which starts out in Buckeye, Arizona, followed by San Luis Obispo, California, Corona, California, Eureka, California, Piru, California, St. Augustine, Florida, Waco, Georgia, Lewiston, Idaho, Rochester, Indiana, 
Ashland, Kentucky, Sherburne, Louisiana, Harvard, Massachusetts, Annapolis, Maryland. Remember, that's the event I told you that was sold out for December 11th and 12th. Still open that weekend is Hinckley, Minnesota, Como, Mississippi, Billings, Montana, Las Cruces, New Mexico, December 11th and 12th is a ladies-only event for uh, for that weekend in New Mexico. All right, that same uh, weekend, open events are Calverton, New York, Eagle Creek, Oregon, Beaver Falls, Pennsylvania, San Angelo, Texas, College Station, Texas, Yakima, Washington, Stinson, West Virginia. That takes us to the weekend of December 18th and 19th. Now, that begins in Sierra Vista, Arizona, followed by Azusa, California, Sacramento, California, Mariposa, California. You guys see the pattern that I'm running here with the with the Californians, right? They're usually running four per weekend or more in that state. And uh, it looks like the the Californians are definitely the folks to beat. If you're going to set yourself a goal and uh, you want to uh, to be the number one in the nation, then you're going to have to stand on the shoulders of California because these guys are uh, uh, right now they are at the, they're at the top of the heat. Uh, Bob Tutin and his his crew out there are going to run a uh, hundred events this last year for their state. This year for their state, and uh, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm as proud as I can be of the California folks and. Uh, Everybody should be setting their sights on California as far as uh, as the horse to catch. Uh, I know here in Texas we're going to be setting our sights uh, on California and uh, and trying to, to do as well as they have done this year. So you guys out in California, congratulations. That's not to say that everybody in the program, uh, that quite a few other states aren't, uh, aren't swinging their hammers as hard as they can, too. I'm just telling you that. California is uh, way out there ahead. All right. <clears throat> the same weekend of December 18th and 19th, we have Mayaca City, Florida, North Fayetteville, North Carolina, Ramsar, North Carolina, Boulder City, Nevada, Mannheim, Pennsylvania, Davila, Texas, and Hubertus, Wisconsin. Saturday, December 18th, it's a one-day shoot. All right, now that will take us all the way to the new year. Now, historically, the uh, the months from uh, starting in October usually, October, November, December, January, <clears throat> have been months where we have, we've throttled down. We've uh, kind of uh, let the program, uh, we've eased up. Everybody's eased up, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of reasons for it. There is uh, the weather, first of all. You have the weather. It's winter, it's cold, rainy, snowy, sleety, icy, etc. And the other is, is typically uh, for a lot of states, we've, uh, a lot of crews, you've run at breakneck speed, and uh, and you kind of need a break. Well, 
That's good if you've been running at breakneck speed. But at the same time, we're trying to keep uh, from having this cyclic up and down. So what we want to try and do is let's let's even it out. Let's make sure that uh, we're not throttling down, that we're not gearing down or uh, uh, or putting the the appleseed machine away in the winter. Let's make sure that we're continuing to add shoots, and there's no reason that uh, that you still can't add some shoots uh, for the last, uh, say, the last weekend, the 18th and 19th of December. There's still enough time uh, to put a couple of more shoots on the books for the 18th and 19th of December. Uh, we actually, I don't see the one, we've added some, I don't, I don't see it on here, but I know that we've added some. Oh, here it is, I'm there for the, the previous weekend, for 11th and 12th of December. Uh, there's no reason we still can't slip a couple of extra ones uh, in there somewhere across the uh, United States. Take a look at your schedule and see if you can't uh, add in that one last shoot this year before uh, before the end of December. Uh, try and add in that one last shoot. Uh, that'll... Uh, Hopefully get uh, some folks their uh, winter seed patch and give you a jump on uh, on one or two instructors you might uh, gather from that event to pull into the the new year with you. <clears throat> now, uh, the name of the program that we're running for the for this winter for the uh, for the program is the the Winter Seed Program. And I believe that uh, B9, that Ed in New York, is still uh, ramrodding that show. If you have any questions about the Winter Seed uh, Program, be sure and send him a PM on the forum. That's uh, B9. And uh, and he can get you up to speed on it. But basically, it's just making sure that we're still running, that uh, we're not going into idle, in these cold months. Everybody knows it's going to be cold. We all know it's going to be cold. We all still have to function uh, anyway, regardless of the cold, right? So why aren't we still out on the lines? Most of you guys that are in the really cold parts of the uh, of the United States uh, are pretty much geared up for it anyway. You guys are pretty much geared up for the winter, so there's no reason that uh, that you should be throttling down, uh, especially with... Uh, April, uh, only a few months uh, after uh, after the beginning of the new year. And uh, for the folks that aren't familiar with this program, uh, our signature weekend is the April 19th weekend. And that's where uh, we pull out all the stops and we have uh, events across the nation simultaneously on the same weekend. And uh, this last year we ran at 100, and I believe this coming year we're going to that we're, we'll be shooting for 200 simultaneous events across the nation. Now, that's that's a lot of events. It's going to take a lot of instructors. It's going to take a lot of planning. Make sure that you're using this uh, the coming months to ensure that you have your 2011 schedule filled out. Not just the events, but uh, make sure that you're prodding your instructors to go ahead and get signed up for those events. Get their names on the books. Let's get it filled out so that uh, we have as fluid 
uh, a program running as we can, and we uh, we don't have any hiccups uh, coming. We'll get it, it, the, all the events on the schedule, get all the instructors signed up for the events as soon as possible, and uh, it will certainly make for a much better running program. <clears throat> now, I saw the, the patches. I believe there's one on the home page uh, for the the winter seed patches. Uh, when Fred came down this last week, he had some with him. I took a look at him. I don't, I don't think he gave me any, but uh, uh, I'll take a look. I mean, I I got a look at them, and they're really really nice. So uh, I, I'm certainly going to try and. Uh, and end up getting one of those. Now, <clears throat> let me uh, let me go to the phones here real quick because I want to bring Sam on with me. Uh, Sam D is uh, he's been helping me out for the last couple of years on the show here, and I I really appreciate it. Sam, you there? I'm here, Scout. Welcome to the show, Thank Sam. Thank you, Scout. Glad to be and, here. And listen, uh, as I was just beginning to say, I want to tell you thanks because uh, Sam has helped me out uh, over the last few years. He's helped me out tremendously uh, on the radio show. Uh, He's always here. He's always ready to go. Uh, A lot of times he doesn't say too much, but uh, but that's okay because uh, he's always there ready to. In case something happens to me, there's been a couple of times where uh, I've lost either power or I've lost uh, internet usage, something like that. And uh, and if Sam wouldn't have been on, then the show would have just died. But luckily, he just uh, he grabbed the reins, put the spurs in, and took off. And then he's always here to help me. So, Sam, I want to tell you how much I thank you for that. And uh, plus, you're just you're just a good friend to me. Well, thank you, Scout. I appreciate it, but you know, it's just what we all do our little part. That's part of my little part. <laughs> Have you seen the winter seed patches? I haven't. I haven't seen one yet. Uh, I haven't had any come in a box here lately, and we may not ever see any down here. We don't have winter, you know. At least by some yeah. folks' lights, we don't have winter. <laughs> you guys don't really have winter. A, we may have a uh, have to come up with a sand seed patch here. A nice, nice well, sand colored one. <laughs> I tell you, if 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 they make one of those, then uh, then the guys uh, during this last uh, the shoot this last weekend sure could have used one because. I'm telling you, the uh, the wind was holding steady at uh, oh, at about 25 knots, and uh, and since we're still in uh, in like a seven-year drought, the ground, uh, the dust, was just blowing. You could have the rifle laying there on the mat, and uh, now it's not as bad as it has been sometimes because there have been times when the rifle has been laying there on the mat and on the windward side of the rifle, uh, like when you're taking instruction, there's enough time, enough wind blowing, and enough sand blowing, and when you get back to the rifle to shoot, there's already a mound that's about the size of the rifle on the windward side, and uh, like I said, it wasn't that bad this weekend, but it, it, I'll tell you how bad it was. It looked, uh, every rifle looked like 
when they got ready to, when they picked it up, that somebody had said, all right, open the action. I'm going to dump in uh, two tablespoons of sand. All right, now, go ahead and, go ahead and load and shoot. So it was uh, it was a very very sandy weekend. I had to bring down a bottle of compressed air, and I tried to blow out the actions, uh, uh, you know, at lunchtime because they were they were getting rough. <clears throat> but the winter seed patches uh, actually have icicles hanging off of them. You know, they have uh, with the fabric and stuff. It's it's kind of that uh, you know ice color patch, and then it has like fabric icicles hanging off of it. So. Uh, it's a very unique patch. Uh, now, let me say one thing is that uh, uh, there's no, uh, uh, I believe I've heard some people saying, hey, I was at a shoot a couple of years ago, and it was freezing and, uh, you know, cold and stuff, so I want to get me one of those uh, winter seed patches. Uh, I don't think that it's really working that way. I think that the way the, the winter seed program is designed is that, uh, they're not retroactive. I think that they're just uh, they're awarded starting now, uh, and as you head into the winter, and then uh, as you experience inclement weather, then uh, then you'll get a patch. Believe me, if they were retroactive, I'd probably have uh, 15 or 20 of them. <clears throat> but if you want a winter seat patch, here's what you do: just start looking at the schedule, and then uh, match that up to your. Uh, to your weather forecast, and uh, you pick a good weekend where there's uh, rain, sleet, snow projected, and you get on the line there, and you will get yourself a patch. If you shoot uh, to rifleman standards that weekend, you will get yourself a winter seed patch with uh, icicles hanging on it. We'll have to pray for snow out here, Scout. Well, you guys don't get... I mean, you guys get snow just like in the Panhandle, but you don't get uh, you don't get it everywhere, right? Now I know that uh, I know you do get some uh, as you go up into elevation, up in the mountains and stuff, but uh, you don't get it uh, all over, right? Now, uh, here in, in where I live, it snows one day a year, and that day has always been when we had an apple seed in December. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if we get it this year. But uh, we, we very seldom get snow here. It gets darn cold. It gets real cold, and, of course, we've got that nice wind, you know. But uh, okay. we don't get much snow. Well, listen, we've got uh, a couple of callers on the line, so I'm going to go ahead. If you'd like to call in and uh, and if you've got a question or you want to make a comment or something, then uh, we'll take your calls. In just a minute, I'm going to talk a little bit more uh, about history, we're going to talk about uh, about the uh, early years and about the Battle of Oriskany in just a minute. But uh, if somebody's called in and they want to make a comment or something, then I don't want you to have to hang on the line if you're waiting for a comment, because I know that uh, the, all the calls have to be routed uh, through New York. <clears throat> so let's take a couple of calls real quick and uh, let's see what the folks are saying. Now, if you do want to call in, the call-in number is 347-308-8790. 347-308-8790. And uh, also let me say that uh, uh, I've been in contact with the uh, Blog Talk folks uh, back and forth and back and forth this week. 
I've downloaded every single version of uh, Adobe Flash Player to all the different computers that uh, that I'm using, and uh, I still cannot get the chat to open. So I'm going to have to I'm probably have to schedule a bunch of uh, uh, dummy shows this week and uh, get somebody to uh, to give me a hand uh, working that out this week to try and find out why I can't. Why the chat is no longer working for any of my uh, on any of my computers? It's not just one; it's it's on all of them. Why my chat program? Why I'm not on it? Uh, do you are you at your computer? I am. I am. You are. Can you see the chat room? Is it open? I sure can. All right. Well, I can't. So if anybody says anything, uh, if they need to get something on the air, be sure and bring it on. All right. Area code six one seven. You're on the air. Six one seven five one nine. And if I if I ever call out anybody on the air, if I open your mic and call on the air, <laughs> if you don't want to talk, don't worry about it. I'm just I'm just checking to make sure that uh, if you if you did want to talk, that you have a chance. Area code six one seven. You're on the air. Somebody okay. from Boston, come on, get on here. Is it? Well, they could just be listening. Uh, and I know that they there's a. There's a uh, there's a system that when you call in, it will tell you, I think it tells you, I've never done it, but I think it tells you if you press up this or if you do something, then uh, then it will tell me that that uh, that you want to talk, you don't want to talk. And usually what I'll see is I'll see a black and red hand, like held up in a, in a talk-to-the-hand fashion uh, next to your number. Uh, but I've also learned that... Uh, uh, that uh, that that hand will be sitting up there, and other people will be saying, "Why aren't you? Why aren't you bringing them on the air? Why don't you let them talk?" And uh, I said, "Well, that number had a don't don't put me on the air sign next to it." All right, now here's something interesting. I've got a instead of a uh, instead of a phone number, I just have a name here. All right, uh, save a ship. You're on the air. <clears throat> Is anybody there? Is this a computer like a, uh, uh, I don't know what the uh, VOIP, the voice over internet uh, protocol. Uh, did you want to talk? Or if you don't want to talk, I can just, I'll close the mic back. Oh, he didn't want to talk. He hung up. Listen, you guys don't, if I call out your name, you don't have to hang up. I'm not going to make you talk. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome just to call in and listen. But I, I wanted to give you the courtesy of uh, giving you a chance to talk if you uh, if you wanted to. Because believe me, I I get uh, uh, angry emails and letters from people all the time. Why didn't you let so and so talk? Uh, or, 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 or why didn't you do this? Or why didn't you do that? Yeah. So I'm trying to be as accommodating as I can. If you want to call, if you want to call in and talk, and for some reason, and I think that last week uh, that somebody had, uh, they were saying that somebody had called in. And uh, for me to get them on the air, they had an announcement to make. Uh, I believe Rose had uh, sent a message to uh, Andy Bellingham about that while we were doing the show. But but I, if I don't see it here on the switchboard, then I can't open it up. So i got to be able to see the Scout. number here on the switchboard, and I didn't see it. Yes, sir. Scout, uh, Save a Ship was, is on the chat here, and uh, he said uh, Skype messed up. Should have let you pick up, but I guess it didn't want to work. Oh, he wants to talk? He, he he wants to talk. Okay, let's give it another shot then. Okay, I'm going to open your mic. 
Hold on one second. Okay, now see if it's open now. Save a ship, see if you can uh, if you can get through now. Hi, this is a test. Who is it? You're not. All right, this is Brent from Illinois. Hey, Brent, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Well, what do you got for us? Where are you at in Illinois? I am in uh, Lake County, Illinois. Lake County, Illinois. It's now, are you an Apple Seed member? Uh, yeah, I went to my first Apple Seed this weekend. Well, excellent. Well, great. Well, give us, give us, uh, give us your impression. Did you know anything about Apple Seed beforehand? Um, I knew very little, but I knew that I was interested in going. All right, and one more question, and then I'll then I'll get out of your hair, and you can just uh, you can free flow. Is uh, how did you hear about the program? I'm always interested in in finding out about how people heard about the program to see if we can't uh, become better masters of our promotion time. How did you hear about the the Apple Seed Project? Um, do you got, are you familiar with a man named David Cadria? Yeah. Yeah, doesn't he have a uh, like an internet blog or something? The Cadrea, David Cadrea blog site or something? Yes, yes, indeed. He does the War on Guns. Okay, yeah, that's it. Right, right. Yeah, he uh, he talks about uh, how great Appleseed is. He's got a picture as a, on his profile of his first uh, M1 that he got from the CMP program. <clears throat> well, great. So you read about it there, and then. Uh, and well, I, I lied because I got some more questions too. All right, so you read about it there, and that was the first place you heard about it, right? Was that on that blog? Uh, yes, that's exactly where I heard. It. Okay, now how long ago did you hear about it? Like, what, uh, I mean, was it uh, months, weeks, a uh, year? How long ago did you hear about it? It was about six months ago. Okay, so you heard about it the first time on that blog, and then at some point during that six months. Uh, did you hear anything else, or did you do research? And the reason I'm asking is because I'm trying to find out what made you eventually flip the switch and say, okay, it's time. It's time for me to go. I'm going to go now. So what What did you do more research, or, or how, did, how did it work out? Uh, interesting story. The smallest rifle I have is a 308, and it took me about six months to make enough ammunition to go. <laughs> I don't doubt that. <laughs> I don't doubt that. <clears throat> I know that. Uh, I know that uh, that a lot of the uh, uh, components are hard to find now and expensive. And for those of you that aren't familiar with the program, uh, we don't just uh, we don't just talk at apple seeds. We we shoot and we we do a lot of shooting. We usually shoot. Uh, I would say a minimum of around 400 rounds, and then uh, it can go anywhere from there up to, oh, you know, between four to 600 rounds is usually about the average. So that's a, that's a lot of shooting uh, in a weekend. It's usually more than most people will do uh, in uh, a year, let alone a weekend. So you, you took the six months, and you carefully loaded uh, the appropriate number of rounds, and then you said, okay, now I'm ready to go. That's exactly it, yes. Okay, well, I'll let you take over from there. Um, that's pretty much it. Um, I went to my first apple seed. I thought it was fantastic. It was great. Um, I did not make riflemen, but I learned a lot. 
And I'm hoping to go back after I move to Minnesota where I can actually uh, uh, practice regularly before I go to the next apple seed. Okay. And uh, and was the uh, – when you got there and you went through, by the end of the day on Saturday, did you say, this is exactly what I was expecting? Or did you say, uh, wow, this, is, this isn't what I was thinking it was going to be, but I'm happy nonetheless? Or uh, what was your impression? Um, I had read the uh, FAQs on the website fairly thoroughly, so um, it was pretty close to what I expected. There was a lot more uh, history talking than I had expected, and it was very refreshing and very nice. Yeah, I get that. Uh, I get that quite a bit from folks. And the other thing I'll get is that uh, you know a lot of folks will say, "Look, I learned a lot." You know, I learned a lot more than I thought I was going to learn, but the best part for me was the history, and uh, and I'm always happy when they say that because I I think that means that we've been successful. We've been successful in in getting folks uh, charged up, getting them spun up to understand that uh, there are a lot of folks who came before you that uh, have enabled you to be standing in the place that you are today. And uh, and I think that a lot of times people don't understand the debt that they owe to those folks. Now, you go back to uh, the time of the founders, and you have that a lot of the folks who made the decision to make these sacrifices, a lot of them were in their 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, they were putting their their lives on the line for what? For them? Because they were, I won't say they were at the end of their roads. Many of them lived uh, quite a few years longer. But for the most part, you know, they were, they had lived their lives. They had done everything. So why were they doing it? Why were they making these sacrifices, putting themselves in danger, risking their their families, their fortunes, their lives? And the answer is, and you, you I'm not guessing, you can go and read it in their in their works, is they were doing it for posterity, for those who, who would come after, for their kids, their grandkids, for, for the millions of Americans who they would never meet. They knew they would never meet. They were doing it for them. And you can read it in their works. They knew that's why they were doing it. So we owe them a huge debt for this, and we owe those who come after us. And that's one of the things that we try to get uh, folks to understand at an apple seed is that we have a debt to those who come before, but we have even a greater debt to those who will come after, to our kids, to our grandkids, to the millions of Americans we will never meet. And uh, and you can't just you can't pay any of those debts by sitting on the couch. You'll have to get up and do something. Uh, so you didn't make riflemen, and listen, that uh, that that you certainly weren't alone there. I imagine uh, that puts you in the majority of probably ninety to ninety-five percent, right? Uh, because it's a lot uh, harder than uh, shooting that deer, isn't it? Oh, absolutely! It's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, because uh, people tell me, they say, you know, 
I always shoot the deer. Every year I shoot that deer, and I say, that's good. But the majority of the people shooting that deer are shooting uh, a target that's about uh, two feet by two feet at about 50 to 100 yards. You know, that's not bad. But what we're going to ask you to do is to uh, to shoot to the standards of putting 10 rounds inside a, a postage stamp at 82 feet in 60 seconds. Now, can you do that? Now, that that is where it gets to be a lot harder. And uh, and a lot of people still don't think that it's uh, that it's hard. Uh, they think that when they hear 25 yards that, uh, oh, my gosh, I could, uh, you know, uh, I could do it like Annie Oakley with a mirror in one hand facing the other way. But uh, it is very hard. We 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 have a four minute of arc standard of accuracy, and uh, and the thing about that is is that at twenty five meters, that four minute of arc is the size of a, of a postage stamp. <clears throat> and people say, well, why do why do I want to shoot at twenty five meters? Well, because if you can shoot at twenty five meters to four minutes of arc. And you can shoot out to 100, 200, 300, and 400 at four minutes of arc. That means that you can shoot uh, out to 400. Uh, well, our standard is uh, the rifleman's quarter mile. That means you should be able to put 10 rounds of uh, uh, 10 rounds onto the target at 500 meters, uh, putting one round into the target every two to three seconds for as long as you're. Uh, as your magazine capacity lasts, and uh, that is nothing to uh, to thumb your nose at. Well, let me ask you this question then. <clears throat> okay, so you went to the Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship event. You set yourself a goal of improving your rifle marksmanship, and you achieved that goal. And then you heard the story. You heard the things that we talk about. Did that has that in how you look at life or what uh or how you look at your current situation or have has what you're doing in your life? Um, it actually made me feel kind of bad. And I say that because I live in Illinois and I'm fleeing Illinois because I just can't live here anymore. It's not free. Well, is that the only reason you're leaving? Is it because of that? Or did you get a job somewhere else? Or uh, Nope. It's because it's not free and I cannot afford to live here anymore. Okay, I see what you're saying. Right. Uh, because of the, of the many... Uh, governmental restrictions and uh, and burdens. Well, I understand that, but <clears throat> but you understand too that uh, that the the whole and, and and I'm not laying a guilt trip on you. I'm not uh, I'm not trying to to do anything other than because you've already you've already said that it makes you feel bad because uh, because you know that that what we're trying to do is get folks to to wake up now. Uh, I guess here's here's another question I'm going to ask you is uh, after going to the program this weekend and you say you're thinking about going to another one, have you thought about uh, 
Have you thought about becoming uh, part of the program, about becoming an instructor? Um, I have, but I feel that I have to improve uh, uh, about a million times over before I, I can consider that seriously. Well, yes and no. You have to stay on a you have to stay on a program of improving, but you don't have to uh, improve a million times over. Uh, if you want to become an instructor, it's not a hard thing to do. Uh, we can uh, we, we can certainly work with you, and Minnesota can work with you on that. Uh, uh, I'm sure that you talk to the folks out there. You say you're on the forum, so you know, uh, and you're headed to Minnesota, so you can. Uh, you can find the guys out there, get in touch with them, and tell them uh, what you want to do, that you want to become part of the program, part of the solution out there. And uh, and I'm sure they would be willing to work with you. We've had several guys in the Texas program who uh, uh, they didn't shoot uh, riflemen uh, that first weekend, uh, and maybe they didn't do it on the second weekend. But they came up and they said, look, I really want to help. I want to, uh, I, I want to help. And uh, I believe there's been twice uh, in the program where we've uh, I've written guys waivers and uh, and they've gotten the hat and they they help uh, with the instruction and when they're not instructing uh, at an event then they're down on the line shooting until they achieve their uh, rifleman scores. So there's uh, there's uh, no reason that you can't uh, think about that. And I'm not going to put you on on, on uh, on the spot, I mean, I already did, but uh, I'm not. I don't mean to put you on on the spot in front of everybody listening. But I just want to let you know that that's a possibility too. All right, I'll definitely work towards that when I get to Minnesota. All right. Well, what about this? Let me ask you another question. Uh, after going through the program and uh, uh, and seeing what we're about, it was your first one. You hadn't had contact with it before or anything. Uh, is there anything that you think uh, that would make it uh, a smoother program? Anything that you, any of the uh, uh, things that you think might be tweaked to make it uh, a better program? Um, I didn't really see anything. Everything where I was at uh, ran extraordinarily smooth. I mean, we were going from one exercise to the next with no delay. There was... Uh, um, plenty of instruction time. Um, the instructors were fantastic. I can't uh, I can't compliment them enough. Well, great. <clears throat> well, listen. Uh, if there's ever anything that I can do to help, you know me. Just shoot me a PM to scout on uh, the forum, and I'll do whatever I can to. Uh, to make things easier or to smooth out any bumps or give you any information I can get for you. Uh, anything I can do to help, just let me know, and I'll be glad to uh, to put my shoulder to the, to the wheel to, to try and fix it. All right, great. Thank you very much. All right. You got anything else you want to say or anything else you want to add? Um, nope, not too much. I think that uh, I pretty much said everything. Well, let me tell you this, then. Thanks, because, you know, I was talking earlier at the beginning of the show about uh, there's uh well there's all kinds of different people but basically when you boil down when it boils down to it there's just two kinds there's the people that are willing to do something 
and then there are some people that aren't willing to do something. Now, there are all different shades of gray in there. There are people who are willing to do something but don't know how, or there are people that are willing to do something but haven't done anything yet. But basically, it still boils down to the same thing. There are people who are willing to do something and people who aren't, and you've just moved yourself uh, into that first category, which is people who are willing to do something, and I want to tell you thank you. Uh, Thank you, actually. All right. Well, listen, God bless you. Uh, Have a safe move out to uh, Minnesota. Be sure and talk to the folks uh, in the program in Minnesota. Let them know you're coming. Uh, there's a guaranteed rifle uh, rifleman program. So if you have your heart set on achieving uh, uh, the uh, rifleman standard of accuracy and getting your patch, let them know you're coming, and uh, you can attend the event until you can attend the event at no charge until you get your patch. So <clears throat> that'll uh, that'll save you the seventy bucks. You can apply that toward more ammunition components. Uh, excellent. All right. You take care. God bless you, sir. And uh, and anytime you want to call in or anything else, you do so. Oh, thank you very much. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that was uh, that was great. All right, we got a, another caller here. Now he's got the red hand up beside it, but I'm just going to ask. Like I said, if I if I ask, don't get uh, don't get excited or a bolt or anything. If you don't want to talk, you don't have to say anything, but uh, I'm just going to ask anyway. Area code 336-267, did you want to say anything? Uh, yes, I do. All right. Well, welcome to the show. Who is this? Uh, this is Tony Yates in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Well, welcome to the show, sir. Um, I had been trying to, uh, you know, to log in to the, uh, you know, um, I found the schedule of the uh, shoots coming up, and uh, I attended two of the shoots in the summer of 2007 when several of uh, my old, <laughs> and I'm dating myself, but uh, some old Marine Corps buddies and I got together and see if, <laughs> see if we could still shoot or not. <laughs> Was this a shoot at North Carolina? Yeah, Rams are at the uh, RWVA range. Yeah, I was the guy that instructed you guys. You did because uh, it was kind of, it was, your, your, it was you, your brother, and your son, or something, wasn't it? It was me and my best friend uh, that was in the corps with me, and then he, then his son, who was also a, a Marine veteran, and dates right. us back to the Vietnam era. <laughs> well, I and remember so, you. Uh, yeah, I thought you, I thought the name Scout was uh, was one of the uh, instructors, and uh, on one of the occasions there was some uh, some new gal from Tennessee that was. Uh, that was shoot. I think that was the second shoot in, in uh, the latter part of the summer. But uh, but I remember the scout name for sure. Yeah, that and, was. Uh, uh, I was, I think I I think I ran the I ran that apple seed that Saturday myself and uh, Dragonwood DW a uh, blonde haired right, dra- Dragonwood yeah yeah uh, Dragonwood that was a girl that was the girl's name wasn't it? Mhm. Yeah 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 I remember that exactly. Yeah she had she had a. Uh, uh, Ruger 10-22 with one of those, uh, uh, you know, aftermarket stocks on it, like Christmas. Christ right, stocks. right. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. I, my number's <laughs> better than I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, what can I help you with? You said you were trying to log into the forum? Well, uh, yeah, you know, my my 
they've they've got me down uh, as Sergeant Yates as my username, and I, I, you know, looked in my password file and and put in the password that uh, that that was in my file, and you know, it came back denying it, and then they asked me a question, and I I went there, and they said there was no question there for me, and so what, uh, when was the last time you logged in? I mean, before, before oh, this oh, one. I don't know. I mean, I, I it, let's see, that was uh, uh, 09. Was it more than a year I, or two? It was like December 09, I think, was what the uh, the email said. That I, when I went to my uh, my folder for that email, because, uh, you know, I, I put in uh, all the emails into that uh, folder, and then right, I, right. I just went to Appleseed Project and clicked on it, and, Boom! That came up, and I, that must have been the last time that I had uh, logged in. Well, I, we've had uh, probably, uh, we've uh, had some it. stuff, some problems with, uh, I think, with uh, like Old some stuff. part of the of the software that has been like eliminating uh, non-used accounts or something. If it's been a long time since it got used, I think that at one point. Uh, before we stopped it, that the software was uh, was deactivating them. Now I could be wrong, but I think that's that may have what may be what happened is your account your account if it was over a year since you tried to do it, that it may have deactivated it. And if that's the case, said, said you can just re-register. They said the Sergeant Yates name was in use. That wasn't that, I'm the only Sergeant Yates I've ever seen on there. <laughs> Okay. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, let me make a note of this. And what I'll okay. do is I'll talk to the, the tech guy and ask him if he can uh, if he can figure out a solution to this for you. There may there may have been a change in email address because I did make a move uh, uh, across town, and um, my email address did change when I went from Roadrunner to uh, AT and T. Okay. All right. So well, that, I'll, uh, that has changed, but um, other than that, I mean, everything else, my my uh, my home address has always been the same because I just moved back from my, a former significant others to my old home place. Okay. So how do you how do you spell the uh, the forum name? My username or my forum? Yeah, your no no your username. Sergeant uh, S G T Y A. Okay. Y A T E S. Okay, is that all one word? Well, all, one word. Or anything? All, one, all one word. All one word. S G T Y A T E S. Okay. All right. And, well, I'll uh, talk to uh, our now my real, guy and now, my, now my real name is Anthony, or better known as Tony, aka Tony Yates. And, okay. Uh, I I sent an email in to the uh, the um, somebody's email called. Uh, uh, just a second. Uh, um, uh, it was uh, to. Oh, darn it. Well, uh, we'll. we'll uh, anyway, I'll talk to the, to talk to the, the tech guy and get him to get him to take a look at it. Is there anything that I can answer for you? Uh, no, like tonight? I, well, I was uh, thinking. Well, the reason I was writing in, I was I was thinking about. Uh, uh, that uh, shoot coming up the 18th and 19th of December, and I didn't have any idea whether that was already sold out or or what. 
uh, being so close. Uh, but uh, that's what I was thinking about, and uh, I've been uh, doing some shooting with my uh, with my Ruger 10-22, and with I I I put on those tech sights, right? Uh, you know, that sort of imitate military sights, uh, right? You know, fore and aft, and uh, then of course I've got an AR-15 that. Uh, I remember that summer. I I don't know how many rounds I expended that summer, but <laughs> it was quite a few. Right. Uh, and I I think I I reloaded about twelve hundred rounds uh, for the uh, for the AR. But I, from what I've read, you know, I haven't been participating in the forums or anything, but I've been sort of watching what's going on with the pro, you know with the project Appleseed, and and since the ammo crunch came to, came around, that you've been mostly you know, people have been mostly using uh, um, 22 caliber on the uh, on Saturday. Right, right, and that was kind of like uh, it was kind of an unintended consequence of what uh, of the program because you know, we we're a we're a center fire actual distance organization, but because of the prohibitive cost when the ammunition jumped, you know, when we first started, matter of fact. Uh, uh, I stopped at Aniston on the way uh, to that event, and I picked up, uh, I don't remember how much it was, maybe 10,000 rounds of uh, .30-06 and, and brought it there. And then I shot uh, right at 3,000 rounds uh, the uh, the time that I was there, while I was there. But uh, at, that, at that time, the price of ammunition of the .30-06 was about, uh, I believe it was about 180 maybe $200 uh, for a thousand, but uh, you know it is it is tripled since oh, yeah. then, and it's made the the cost of firing center fire ammunition uh, really really rough. So to keep people in the game and keep them shooting, we've uh, we've opened it up to rimfire or the twenty two ammunition, so that you can you can shoot 500 rounds uh, in a weekend by you stop at Walmart and get you a 550 pack and you pay 20 bucks for it and that keeps the the cost down now at the same time uh the skills the techniques that we give you uh at 25 meters with the rim fire will translate directly over to your center fire rifle if you oh, yeah. can uh, shoot to rifleman standards uh, with your rimfire 25 meters, there should be no reason that you can't take uh, those skills and those techniques and apply them to your centerfire and shoot uh, to rifleman standards uh, at 25 meters and at actual distance, one, two, three, and 400 meters. Right. I mean, I I had even thought about, uh, you know, recently about uh, maybe buying one of those, uh, you know, I've got a Smith & Wesson M&P 15, uh, you know, that I've had for about, Four years. It may have been one of the ones, the original ones that was probably made by a uh, another company for them and before they got fully ramped up. But uh, you know they got their new uh, M&P 22, uh, and right. uh, which which has all the same. It's the only one of, of the ones I've investigated that have all the the, the features and the the uh, the safeties and all the, the you know the magazine release and everything is in the same very same spot. So if you're training with that, then the you know transition to the centerfire rifle is I mean it's all the same. You're not really losing any 
you know, where like with the, uh, you know, the you know, 1022, you totally different uh, manual of arms. But uh, anyway, right, totally. have you been uh, have you been keeping up with the uh, have been using the uh, the skills and techniques that uh, that you got at that weekend? Have been have you been using them and practicing them since then? Yeah, I've got a friend down Davidson County, and I've gone down there numerous times, and I I had bought uh, some targets through uh, Fred. And, right. Uh, and so I, you know, practiced down there, you know, you know, on my, uh, you know, natural point of aim, sight alignment, sight picture, et cetera. And, um, you know, just uh, try to stay in, in, in the groove. And I was practicing with, actually with both rifles and uh, and hoping I would uh, do better because my other three Marines got their rifleman's patch. And, and I shot expert in the Marine Corps, but darn, I, I couldn't. I couldn't get that patch to save my rear end that weekend. <laughs> Either, yeah, weekend. you know, I, I, I remember you. I remember. I thought we were gonna have to throw a bucket of water on you. <laughs> I was really. <laughs> I was. I was so mad at myself. I mean, I mean, you know, just. Uh, I think everybody around you was getting a suntan from that uh, that heat coming off you. <laughs> oh yeah, I was, I was just so disappointed in myself because I mean, I know my vision is nowhere near it was when I was a. Uh, Shooting expert in the Marine Corps, and uh, and um, you know I I had my I think I had my my prescription even gone over in and changed and everything before I ever went to make sure I was up to snuff on that. That still didn't do no good. I don't know what I was doing wrong. I was trying to really really hold them and squeeze them and uh, reset the trigger right and etc. And and uh, well, but, I'll tell you, know, you I'll I mean, tell I, you part of it is that. Uh, because I was talking to some folks this weekend about it, we had a, uh, we actually had a uh, marksmanship instructor uh, oh, attend from uh, from a different organization. I think he was from the uh, 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 State Troopers Association, and uh, <clears throat> and he was doing good, but his wife was doing a lot better, and oh. uh, that's that's normal. And here's why: because the if you're a guy. The more uh, experience that you have, the harder it is uh, a lot of times for you to listen because you know how guys are. They say, yeah, I know how to shoot. I know what I'm doing. Uh, And uh, the ladies, they usually say, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing, so I think I better listen to this guy and do what he says. And uh, and gosh, they, they usually always... Uh, their scores usually always go faster. I did the exact same thing. You know, whenever I first came to the program, I said, look, I, you know, I know how to shoot. Basically, I'm just here to uh, to learn your methods, and, uh, you know, and I'll be good to go. And uh, I got behind that, uh, that M1 Garand, and uh, I'm telling you, uh, I, by the uh, by the round by round 1,500, I was still uh, not where I wanted to be because I wouldn't let go of what I thought I knew better than the guys that were teaching me. Well, that and, makes uh, uh, sense to me because, but I know that when I went down there, we were all uh, attentive to the instruction because for Jim and I, I mean, you know, we got out of the Corps in '69, <clears throat> and so you know, we were old M14 Marines. 
Right. And uh, and so you know we never even picked up a, a, a M16. And uh, the army already had it, but they hadn't got it. Got, you know, the Marines are always the last to get the hand-me-downs, but right. uh, you know the ones that that were finally brought to Vietnam, they were conveniently getting lost. The guys would just take the bolt and bolt carrier out and throw them, you know, and and then throw the rifle away and and pick up a uh, an AK on the battlefield, and and they'd rather use that. And uh, well, it, it's not the fact that people a lot of times that they don't listen. It's just the fact that. Uh, and we try to be very careful of this when we begin instruction because make sure that we're giving the instruction right the first time because when you learn something, uh, it's very hard to lay down a new track over it. It's very hard to learn uh, sometimes new skills and new techniques, even if you want to, because you already have ingrained uh, the way you do things. And well, it's very hard to unlearn the, some things, you know. Tell yourself the... Uh the routine of basic Marine Corps marksmanship uh, was really ingrained. <laughs> right. Put it mildly, in 1963, it was really ingrained. You know, if you jerk the trigger, you get hit in the jaw. And uh, <laughs> that's before they uh, became more politically correct, I guess. But uh, Well, listen, Mr. Yates, uh, I, will try and, I will try and get... Uh, the tech guy to work uh, out phone your phone, phone number or anything or, or uh, email, email address. Or, yeah, uh, I tell you what, you can give me your email address. Yeah, I mean, Scout, let me butt in for a second here. Yeah, yeah, go right ahead. Go right ahead. The SCSI already got in there and found Sergeant Yates' ID. He says it's still active, and he sent him a regular email, uh, and they need to get in touch over that email, and he'll fix him up. There you go. And there are open. Done, there are done deal. Shoots. So okay, you're good uh, to go. Well, so there are, there's an email already on the way to me? Yeah. That's yeah, how we right. work, man. Okay, that's cool. Uh, I'll be, uh, I don't see it uh, up there yet, but uh, I'll be looking for it. I just wondered if y'all wanted my my new email address because you were going to check on that for me. Because, you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't get in there to even make a... Uh, uh, I tell you what, you, are, are you looking? Are you on your computer? Can you uh, access the chat room? Um, I'm, I'm sure I could if I knew. Uh, I mean, I, I went just, to the, just go ahead and just go ahead. I'm sure that uh, Scuzzy's listening. If you will just uh, slowly give out your email address, then he can uh, he can send the email to the to the new address. Sure, that'd be great. Um, okay, I was. Uh, I had the apple seed, right, you know, because that came in, um, you know, uh, every week on my newsletter, uh, you know, from the project, and right. uh, it reminded me of the time on Tuesday, et cetera, and, uh, and I went to that address to get to talk to you. I mean, okay. I clicked on, on that, and I, was, I sit there and listen to you, a conversation with the other fellow, uh, actually, and... Uh, and then that, when that was through, us when I said hello. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, give for that give, new uh, email now. Give I'll give you my new email. email. My, new, uh, my new email address here is T Yates, Y A T E S, 2037 at yahoo.com. 
and I'm pretty sure it was different back when in, in 07 when I was uh, when I came when I first came down to uh, Ramsar and shot and so forth, and then registered. And... All right. Well, listen. Okay, he'll he, get you fixed up, yeah. and he'll send you uh, the information so that you guys can get that worked out, and uh, and you can get back on there. Listen, I appreciate you calling in, and uh, and if we can do anything for you again, or for when you get on the forum, if I can do anything for you, be sure and shoot me a PM, and I'll be glad to help you out. Well, I'll try. You know, like I said, I'm not really that, uh, never have been that really computer literate as yet. My kids, uh, I, don't know, they, I don't know what to think of me. They think I'm in, uh, totally incapable of, uh, <laughs> full of learning new stuff. But you were right about you know, like earn, learn, unlearning, and and the women are better because they don't have bad mistakes to break. <laughs> right. And, and and I and I know myself. I, I'm sure that is probably part of my problem. That is, and I'm continuing to to do the things that were ingrained in me, and 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 I'm doing them incorrectly or 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 whatever. But I, you know. It's hard, you know, like the old saying goes. It's, it's more difficult to teach an old dog new tricks than a than a than a puppy right out of the box. <laughs> right. Well, you get yourself to this uh, that next apple seed event, and you'll get a refresher on it. And then, once you do that, the best thing you can do then is work you out a program where uh, at least once a week, there in the comfort uh, of of your own home, uh, you get down uh, on the floor and you dry fire. Uh, for 10 minutes once a week, and uh, you will teach yourself. You'll lay down good hard tracks uh, for the new skills and techniques that you want to use. Well, listen, i got to get moving on because I've got uh, some history that I need to give, but uh, thank you for calling in, and if you need any additional help, be sure and PM me on the forum. Okay, Scott, will do. I appreciate your help, and I'll be looking forward to that email. All right, take care. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, I was just talking about him uh, this last weekend to uh, to Fred. You know, when we were talking about, we wondered what happened to him because uh, uh, we had, that was one of the one of the times that uh, that Fred and I had uh, worked together for the first time, and uh, and you know, Fred is uh, he's very helpful on the line and. Uh, if you are, if you're in the middle of stage two, uh, trying to uh, get that uh, 55 second uh, stage two or that 65 second stage three, at least back then, uh, he is more than willing to come up and tap you on the shoulder and uh, and let you know if you're dragging wood or not. And uh, he did that uh, to me several times, and uh, I appreciated it. <laughs> And uh, I was joking with him about it, and we started talking about uh, <clears throat> about this fellow, and uh, we were actually wondering what had become of him. So this is uh, <laughs> I'll have to call him tomorrow and uh, and tell him I found out what happened. So, well, if you guys want to call in, there's uh, there's still time to call in before the end of the show. Uh, the number is three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Now. Uh, do you have anything that uh, you needed to put in, Sam? No, I didn't. Uh, just like to remind folks to get out there and, and uh, keep shooting all winter long, as long as you can. 
and bring in okay. more people. And I will second that. Well, then I'm going to take us a few minutes here uh, to talk about some more of the history because, number one, I love it. And uh, and it was very uh, – it was very uh, – it, it was a new chapter in my life when I started reading about American Revolutionary War history and and started uh I started visiting the battlefields and uh you know you can read about history uh, all day and all night and uh, and you should but when you read about history uh and then you actually go to the battlefields then it comes alive and uh, when you're standing in that same place that uh that the the soldiers stood in and uh, where they fought their battles <clears throat> then the the history comes alive and uh let's see I went to uh uh I went up to New York to do some shoots uh uh, back in the beginning of 2008, and I go to New York every year uh, for uh, uh, for family reasons. I, part of my my marriage contract uh, states that I'll bring my wife back to visit uh, her family in New York once a year, and I do so. And of course, while I'm there, I usually do try and do a, a two or three shoots, whatever I can do there in New York, to, uh, just to help out and also just to. Uh, to be able to meet the folks, uh, you know, in different parts of the country. And New York, I always like to brag on the guys in New York because they've done such a great job, and it's got to be about one of the quietest, uh, uh, one of the quietest groups doing one of the best jobs uh, out there. And all the guys, all the New York crew is just great. Uh, uh, Josie Wales, uh, Ed B9, uh, who I met on one of the very first sheets that I did up there, and uh, uh, K-Dan and uh, Sergeant Rock, and uh, there's so many of them now, uh, it's hard to remember them all, but uh, but they're a great crew, and they're doing a great job working really hard, but they're just doing it quietly. Uh, you don't... Uh, you don't hear any uh, problems from them. You don't. Uh, you don't hear them uh, tooting their own horn, which they should be doing because they're doing such a great job. And they're just great guys. Uh, I always feel uh, when I'm there with them back in New York, and I'm amongst uh, fellow riflemen <laughs> during the program that uh, that I'm at home. Uh, and back in 2008, I was going to uh, over to Vermont and. Uh, to do a shoot at Jericho, <clears throat> and I left uh, early enough because I wanted to hit uh, some of the battlefields on the way and spend some time there. And uh, my wife is a uh, daughter of the American Revolution, and she has direct lineage back uh, to uh, uh, a captain who fought uh, at the Oriskany battlefield. And just out of coincidence, he happened to be uh, a Captain uh, Damewood. And uh, uh, we, there's a there's a big book on the Damewoods. 
I'm sure Sam D can tell you about it because uh, I found his name and, and found where he lived and everything else in the book and uh, all of his relatives and everything else. And then there's a little tiny sliver for this unknown branch of Dame Wood uh, that has no connection that anybody can figure out, but uh, just has the same name. And whether it's an it's uh, an actual name, because you know names have changed. Many names have changed over the over the last couple of centuries uh, by accident or on purpose. Uh, because there's also spellings for this guy of uh, Demuth and uh, Demuth, and uh, so it's hard to say uh, where the where any of the uh, where the line came off or if his name ever was Damewood but eventually end up being Damewood on pay records and uh, pension records but uh, he fought at Oriskany uh, along with a great many other folks and I was there at the battlefield and uh, uh, I think I actually wrote uh, I wrote down my experiences and they are they're categorized back in, uh, uh, I think it's in a the old general discussion uh, archives under the title "Ghosts of New York," and that's what I I believe that's what I titled the uh, the posting. <clears throat> and uh, I'll just go ahead and and give you a breakdown of it now. A lot of folks think about uh, the American Revolutionary War. When they think about it, they think about uh, an army of Continental soldiers, you know, in uh, blue uniforms and uh, all dressed the same, uh, fighting under the banner of uh, the American colonies. And then their opponents are all redcoats, you know, fighting under the Union Jack. But this was actually... Uh, the exception rather than the rule. The rule was normally you have groups of uh, of ununiformed men fighting each other, and those men could be from the same town, from the same county, sometimes from the same household, fighting against each other in some bloody personal battles. And that's the way the the majority of the fighting took place, especially uh, in the early days and on the uh, in the perimeters of the colonies. <clears throat> now, the uh, the area that we're going to be talking about is uh, is near Rome, New York. That's where Rome, New York is now. Now, the reason this area was important is because. The, the area around Rome, New York, is where the Oneida Carry was located. The Oneida Carry. And the reason the Oneida Carry was important is because if you in the in the early years of our nation, there weren't any uh, you know multi-lane freeways. There there weren't any farm-to-market roads. Heck, there weren't even any paths in most cases. There were no paths. There certainly weren't any roads. So how were you going to get from one point to another? It was very, very difficult. There weren't enough people to justify a road. And even if you built a road, somebody was going to have to maintain it. And there was just there wasn't the manpower to do it. And yet people still had to get from point A to point B in order to carry on with their lives or to to uh, uh, to uh, participate 
in any type of commerce. So the Oneida carry was important because at that time, uh, if you wanted to get to the interior, and and by the interior I'm talking about the Great Lakes region, uh, really the only way to get there was by water. And you could get from the coast uh, all the way up to, uh, uh, you know, Indiana, Illinois, uh, by river. Uh, You could get there all of the way except for one little strip of land that had to be crossed by portage. You had to get out of the, uh, the stream, load up your canoe and your goods and everything, and walk. And this was... Uh, I believe it was anywhere from uh, like 6 to 11 miles long, depending on uh, on water, uh, on the height of the water at that time of year. <clears throat> this was called the Oneida Carry. So this was an important, it was a strategic piece of land, because if you wanted to get from the coast to the uh, uh, into the interior, you had to cross what was called the Oneida Carry. And it was also uh, uh, had uh, uh, trade stations set up there. Now, uh, in the 1740s and 1750s, the British had built several forts to guard the location. And uh, and then over the course of the next uh, oh, 20, 25 years, some of the forts uh, were lost by uh, being burnt or, or even or abandoned and gone into disrepair. Uh, some of them had been destroyed during the uh, French and Indian Wars. Uh, Finally, uh, Fort Stanwix was built uh, on its current site uh, in Rome. And if you go to Rome today, you'll find the fort is still there, right in the middle of town, uh, the reproduction of the fort. Uh, And it was built in 1762 by the British General John Stanwix. And then the fort took about four years to build. They they started in, uh, in 1758, and it was finished in... 1762, and almost immediately it was abandoned, and uh, then it was allowed to go to to ruins uh, until uh, around 1768. <clears throat> so the fort was still there, but it was it was pretty much in in a very bad uh, uh, very bad situation. Now, in 1773, Fort Sandwich was a site of the British. Uh, Iroquois Treaty. That's where the proclamation was made. And the British Iroquois Treaty was made with the Indians and what it did was it guaranteed uh, that the Indian lands would not be encroached on any further by whites moving westward. Now the reason this was done was because uh, the British felt that the farther that these colonists, the farther away they got from the oceans, the farther they got to the interior, then the less control Britain had on them. Uh, there wouldn't, you weren't going to get taxes from them. You weren't going to be able to control them. And they wanted to uh, keep uh, the peace with the, uh, with the Indians. So they'd uh, established a treaty that also forbidden the colonists from moving any further westward and encroaching on the Indian lands. Now, this was uh, the treaty was supposed to secure all of the Indian lands here, but it actually set the stage for the next round of Indian, Indian, and 
Indian settlers' uh, hostilities because the British Iroquois Treaty ignored uh, the Shawnee, the Delaware, and the Cherokee tribes who lived there too. These were all groups, all part of the uh, what they called the Six Nations at the time. <clears throat> now, like I said, the fort was eventually uh, abandoned. Uh, it was too, you know, the, they didn't have the manpower, the, the British didn't have the, the regulars to, didn't have the manpower to keep it manned, and there was a peace treaty, so it was felt that the, British, the fort was really no longer needed, and it was allowed to go into disrepair. Now, starting on July 12th, in 1776, colonial militia occupied the fort. They began the reconstruction of the fort. Now, this was after the, uh, uh, you know, after all the events of April 19, 1775. Now, that ended with the siege of Boston, and uh, or that was the beginning. That day, as that day ended, it began the siege of Boston, and that carried on for the next year. All right, so the colonists occupied uh, Fort Stanwix on July 12th, 1776. They, they had been informed of the uh, uh, of the uh, Declaration of Independence, and that could cause them to go ahead and occupy the fort and be, begin reconstruction of it. Now, <clears throat> the British regulars at this time uh, decided that their new strategy, they were going to attack from the north, from Canada. Uh, General John Burgoyne was going to be the main force. He was going to be attacking uh, due south from Canada. Then uh, there was going to be a British advance north from New York City. And Howe, General Howe was initially slated to lead his army up the Hudson to Albany. But his preoccupation with taking Philadelphia uh, caused him, him to be... Uh, uh, to not make uh, the junction, and the the task was left to uh, uh, to Henry Clinton. Now, <clears throat> also, uh, Colonel Ledger uh, was attacking down straight into the Mohawk Valley from Canada, and he intended to conquer the colonial forces at Fort Stanwix on the way south as part of the larger plan to take Albany and rout the colonial forces in New York. So this is a three-pronged attack coming down uh, from Canada and coming over from New York uh, in order to rout the forces from Albany and uh, and end up taking New York. Now, arriving at Stanwix, Colonel Ledger began a siege of the fort. They pulled all the the uh, militia pulled all their forces into the fort, locked it down, and this was a pretty hardcore fort. And Saint Ledger didn't have the men he needed to take the fort. He had a, a mixed group of uh, uh, militia and uh, loyalist militia and Indians. Now, at this time, General Herkimer, who was uh, one of the uh, colonial militia, he had gotten word of the British, forts, uh, for British forces marching to Stanwix, and he'd gathered up the uh, Tryon County militia. This is a group of uh, around 800 men. And also, this is an important part, 60 Oneida Indians. 
Now the Oneida were part of the a part of the Six Nations. Now up to this point, the the Indians had uh, they had never they hadn't fought each other in almost a century. They had had peace within the nations. <clears throat> now uh, Herkimer's force it was 800 men, but remember we're not talking about colonial troops. As I said earlier, the 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 idea of professional colonial troops in in blue uh, uniforms facing professional redcoat troops in red uniforms was not the the rule. Uh, it was the exception. These men that uh, he gathered up here with him, they were uh, they were farmers, uh, craftsmen, tradesmen, and then there were the the Indians. Now the addition of the 60 Oneida Indians to Herkimer's force. It altered the equation within the Six Nations forever. And it was a very serious break of the last 300 years of peace among the tribes. It was the first time that the tribes had actually been involved in hostilities with each other. Now, they'd been fighting the uh, all of the whites, the British, the French, uh, the, uh, the colonial uh, settlers. They'd been fighting all of them, but they had maintained 300 years of peace within their tribes. And this was, this was fixing to end. The Mohawks and the Senecas had sided with the British because the British had been trading partners with them uh, for a great deal of history. And they were also uh, guaranteeing scalps and treasure along with stopping any further westward movement by the white settlers uh, into the Indian lands. So what they were saying is, look, you, you guys come with us, and this is uh, uh, the... Uh, uh, the Mohawks and the Senecas say, you come with us, and we're going to give you plenty of scalps. You guys will have a chance to get a lot of scalps. And then all of the stuff that you get, all of the goods uh, that you get from uh, these from the war, you'll be able to keep. Now, that seems kind of, uh, it seems kind of small, but it's not. How else were you going to get uh, stuff? How are you going to get knives, cooking pots, uh, jackets, boots? How are you going to get those? And the answer is you weren't going to get them. Uh, very easily at all, but here is a chance for you to get some. And remember, they weren't fighting each other. The Indians weren't fighting each other. In order for them to get stuff through uh, uh, as prizes, they were having to fight the settlers. Now, at the time, if they fought the settlers, then they would be fighting against their British trading partners. So they didn't want to do that. But here's a chance for them to fight the whites and have it be sanctioned by their British trading partners so they could get prizes, scalps, and they could stop the what had been the ever-increasing uh, westward movement by the settlers. All right? <clears throat> now, the 800-man force Herkimer was command of, it sounds big, but as I said, these guys were farmers and craftsmen. They weren't soldiers. None of them, none of, uh, I say none of them, not many of them had ever really seen uh, any combat. Now, sure, certainly 20 years before there had been the French and Indian Wars, but that didn't mean that, that they had been part of that. Most of these guys were simply answering the call to defend their homes and families from the British and the Indians. They knew that uh, even if they didn't have a dog in the hunt between British and colonial troops, it didn't matter because the British were setting the Indians loose uh, on the colonial settlers. All right, Herkimer's force began to march. Uh, uh, the march 
to Stanwyck to relieve the forces there, because remember what I said earlier, Ledger had already laid siege to the fort. He thought he could lay siege to the fort and and uh, and get them out of the fort uh, by keeping them trapped there. Now, they actually had a lot of, they had plenty of supplies within the fort. So they were in no hurry to leave, and the fort was a very sturdy fort. And Ledger's force was not large enough to take the fort alone. He was also waiting for reinforcements. Herkimer's force, the 800-man force plus the 60 Indians, left the left his area uh, to relieve uh, the Stanwyck's fort. They left out from Fort Dayton on August 4th with the uh, Oneida Indian scouts leading the, the way. Now, the day that I got to uh, the Oriskany battlefield was July 11th. It was only a few weeks from when the battle would have occurred 232 years ago on the 6th. <clears throat> The weather, while I was there, was almost exactly as it was when the battle was fought from the records. Hot, muggy, and overcast sky. And I could see the rain clouds actually moving off to the east on a course that would have them passing to the north of me. And I was covered well, with deer flies and mosquitoes, and the air had that rich, uh, hot aroma it gets from, from the hot air, the swamp water, the rotting vegetation. I was walking the route that Herkimer's men would have had to have taken to reach the area, and I stopped exactly where Herkimer's men had stopped while he waited for the prearranged signal from the fort, which was supposed to be two cannons fired at one time. He waited there for the fort to fire the cannons, which would signal the readiness for the soldiers in the fort to sally forth to join Herkimer's forces so he could cut a route through uh, Ledger's forces. They waited and they waited, but the signal didn't come. The messengers did not arrive at the fort until 11 a.m., and Herkimer's junior officers began to argue with each other, and they actually began to question Herkimer's courage and his loyalty because it was known that Herkimer had a brother with the Loyalist forces. So they're thinking that he doesn't want to attack because his brother's over there. When, his, when the officers began to question his courage to his face, he actually got up, he got mad, he got up, and instead of waiting for the men to sally forth from the fort as they planned, he called for the horse, he got on, and he led his men into the ravine in the valley. All right? He let his, he let his ego get ahead of him, and he called the, the battle on. He took off. Now, what he didn't know was that Brant, Brant's men, the, uh, the uh, Mohawk and Seneca Indians, and a unit from Sir John Johnson's Greens were waiting in an ambush right there for him, right at the river. Herkimer's men had been marching all day. They were hot. They were parched. New York is filled with water, but not much of it's a lot really fit for drinking. There's a lot of swamps, bogs, etc., uh, but there's not a whole lot of running water that you can get to. Now, at the bottom of the at the ravine, there's a stream. It's about a foot and a half across and about a foot deep, clear running water. When Herkimer's men saw this, they broke ranks and they began running to it. They got down their hands and knees, put their heads into the creek and began drinking. I traced their steps, and listen, I want to tell you, knowing what was about to happen, had I been with those men, made the hair on the back of my neck stand straight up. I ran to, down to the creek uh, on this day, stuck my 
my head and my hands into it and start splashing water on my face. And I'm telling you, as I was doing this, I was waiting. I was actually waiting for the shots that I knew would come from the ambush positions on the high ground to the north of me and from the ravine in front of me. I was waiting to feel one of those British balls burn its way right into my skull. Uh, it was that that eerie of a feeling. Uh, but for me, I got away uh, scot-free. I didn't get uh, anything. For Herkimer's men, it was a different story. Brant had told his men to wait till all of General Herkimer's men entered the ambush, but the Indians... Being Indians, they couldn't pass up so sweet a target. They sprung the ambush as soon as those guys stuck their heads in the water. Dozens and dozens of men fell with head, neck, chest wounds, uh, and shots into their backs and, and head. They fell headfirst into that creek right then there at the ambush point. For the rest of the day, from that point on and for uh, for two to three miles downstream, the creek waters were blood red, and that's why the the battle is also known as the Battle of Bloody Creek because of this. <clears throat> and standing in the creek with my shoes off, I can tell you this was a perfect place for an ambush. The stream was only two or three feet across, but the bottom of the ravine was about 100 yards across and very boggy. Uh, the swamp could only be crossed here by means of a log road that they laid down by cutting down logs and laying them down, causing the formation to, to close in and bunch up. The grass here, uh, and it's much like it was at, at the same time, it, the grass was about waist, I mean, uh, chest deep. The ambushing Indians, they could be two feet from them, from their, from the enemy, and they nobody would see them until they stood up and raised the, uh, the, the hatchet over their head or, or plunged a, a spear or shot a, a musket into you. You weren't going to see them, and that's exactly how the battle was fought for the first few hours. Men were fighting hand-to-hand, face-to-face uh, in, uh, in this area because uh, they'd been ambushed. Uh, Herkimer's men, the, the end part of the formation, actually took off and retreated without orders. Uh, <clears throat> in the beginning, uh, right at the beginning of the ambush, Herkimer took a bullet in the leg. It was a really bad wound, painful and crippling. He fell from the horse, and uh, he was dragged and carried to the top edge of the ravine. And his men placed him against a beech, beech tree there. and Of course, a tree's not there, but a marker is there where they think it was. And he calmly took his pipe and tobacco from his pocket. He fixed himself a smoke while he was sitting there uh, looking at the battlefield. And the same officers... Now, this is one of the things I love about this. The very same officers who just minutes before had called him a coward, saying he was cowardly for not wanting to attack, now now they wanted to carry him from the field, they said, and flee for safety, uh, i.e., you know, they wanted to run and, and use him as an excuse. He looked him in the eye and he said, no, we fight here. I wish I could have seen their faces whenever he said that. And, w- and what lesson do we learn from this? The same one we always learn. Insecure and cowardly people will always project their insecurities and cowardice onto you. Don't let yourself be goaded into a fight until the time is right. Make sure you're doing everything within your power to set the time, place, and circumstances uh, of your battles, allowing you to place 
the maximum amount uh, of hurt on your enemies while protecting yours. This is the lesson that they learned uh, from this. Now, I tell you, I just heard the British uh, lady tell me uh, in my ear that uh, we're about so. Uh, we'll finish this up. I'll use. Uh, I'll finish up the story of the Oneida, of uh, the uh, Oriskany battlefield, uh, next week. All right. Thanks everybody for calling in. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, and uh, we'll see you guys next Tuesday, same time, same place. Thank you, Sam. Hi right, everybody. All right. Good night, folks. <laughs>